Welcome everyone to another episode of the ERG Movement Podcast. Here we bring dope people on to talk about all things ERGs. And today is no exception. We have Monique here. I'm going to let you do an introduction for yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, let's see. I won't use the like the box one I use at work, but my name is Monique Jackson. I go by she, her, and hers. I have worked in operations for most of my career. I always like to say I found out I loved people just as much as I loved numbers. And that is how I made my transition into the people space, specifically employee engagement. ERGs was my door to the next step in my career. And now I have the privilege, I say, of making that transition from activist to practitioner, little spice of activist still in all that I do. I hail out of the Northeast, all things East Coast, Jersey girl, but really, really excited to be here today. And I know there'll be some other things that you'll learn about as I kick it with Maceo today. Definitely excited to learn more. For one, even when it comes to the journey between activist to practitioner, would love to learn what that looked like for you, what you were doing before you even got into the ERG space. So my career was filled with running teams. So I was in corporate retail for a while. I was also in real estate and that was running buildings in both spaces, opening new buildings, opening new markets. So in that space, really learned how much I loved seeing people develop and grow. And both of those environments, it was taxing. It was a lot. It took a lot of time. But I think that there was an inflection point in which I was still doing my normal job of operations and had an opportunity to join an ERG and lead an ERG. And I didn't realize how much of what I was doing in my regular job was transferable. Um, So the basic business acumen, running meetings, speaking with leadership, I was able to transition into that space. And then from there, I said, okay, I can actually impact way more people by doing this work. Not going to lie. I had that back and forth with, I think a lot of folks in DEI do of like, is this all I want to do? Is this all I want to get known for? And struggle with that for a little bit and saw that employee engagement, the people space was a space that was broader. It wasn't Mm -hmm. just doing the ERG work, or it wasn't just making sure that companies are trying to do the right thing, but it was getting into the stuff, the meat that I loved, which was the numbers, the business, the KPIs, the OKRs, and making people understand why DEI, DIB, DIBJ is directly connected to your bottom line and being able to tell that story. That was my transition. I'll say like before I got into corporate retail, I worked in sports. I also worked in retirement services. I also worked in nonprofit. So when they tell you that where you start is where you finish, it ain't true. You can go wherever you want to go. Mm. So many learnings in that. One, you're clearly a well-rounded individual and it makes sense. Maybe there's something to that for people in the ERG space who have like background in different things. But even with you being in the operation space, it makes so much sense because you're always providing these great gems around operational excellence. What would you say for someone who's looking to get into like the ERG space and go from activist to practitioner, what does it mean to like really get into operational excellence and operations in general? Yeah, I think that one of the big things that you have to be comfortable with is challenging yourself and finding out the why, right? And I say the why because your why, my why, everyone else's why is very different. So I think in order for you to actually drive the operational excellence in any space, but specifically in ERGs, you have to ask why, right? Why are you doing the work? why are you doing extra work, right? You have to challenge yourself. And if you know why you're doing it, I think that it re almost like resettles you or rebalances in you to keep going. I think also just, just thinking about operations, ERG, it's the same thing. When you're running an ERG or you're a leader in an ERG, you're running a mini business. It's a nonprofit. That is really what it is. So that ability to think from point A to point B, or think about point Z and work yourself backwards is the type of mindset that enables you to actually make real change. I think that one of the things you learn to navigate is what can I do or what can I get away with? However you want to phrase it, I'm a what can you get away with type of person. But as long as I can work with what I don't know 
And being able to have those type of conversations, it allows you to create the type of operational rigor and excellence to drive results specifically within your ERG, whether that's saying, hey, we want to just make sure our community feels seen and heard. Focus on that. You don't have to, what do they say, boil the ocean? Uh, mm -hmm. But taking that operational mindset, when you do it for your normal job, you don't have 100 OKRs. You don't measure 3,000 KPIs, right? You tell yourself, where can we win? Where can I win short? Where can I win long? So I think that that same type of mindset, all of us, I'll say we, don't apply it as much as we actually could when we get into the ERG space that actually make us all activists in practitioner form, right? And then, you know, sky's the limit on what you can do outside of the ERG and in your career with all the skills that you build there. Curious, why do you think it is that ERG leaders and even just people in the DNI space feel the need to boil the ocean and to do all of the things? The easy answer, because we care, right? When you care, you want to fix it all. So it's very difficult to switch your mindset. I think that there's also a heavy burden of responsibility and accountability when you are the face of something in this space. Because you carry the burden of, are people going to think I'm not doing enough? Is this community going to feel like I have not put in as much elbow grease as I put into another? You and I talk about that all the time, right? Like, how do you make sure everyone is getting what they ultimately need, not necessarily what they want? So I think that when you're carrying that burden of believing it's your responsibility to change all the things versus tapping back as our last conversation around operational excellence. That's all about cross-functional partnership. I can have the idea, but it doesn't mean I have to be the one to do it, think about it, build it out, run the project plan. So I think that it's just that heavy burden of once you're in this role, somebody tells us, I don't know if there's like a little DEI fairy that comes in the middle of your dream when you cross over and it's like, it's, it's your fault, it, you know, like it's with you now. And I think that we just move in that space and until someone tells us, you don't, one, you don't have to be an expert at everything. Find what your, what your niche is, right? And then two, like, what can you accomplish? Because I think, right, we, there's a lot of conversation about incremental change and we undervalue that. You can have a long strategy, but what can you do time over time and build a strong foundation so you're not feeling like most DEI practitioners are like running on this wheel of like doing the same thing over and over and over again. So I think it's like really that unnecessary heavy burden when you walk into the space that you now are responsible. And you can add the asterisks of being Black, being Latinx, of right, like you carry the people on you. So then you have like this double burden of being in the role and being the face of if you mess up, it's a reflection of everyone. I think that that really is the part that it's difficult. It's a, a weight that's hard to, to let go of. What do you recommend for people who are kind of struggling with that, that weight on their shoulders, like the fate of our community at this company lies on me. And sometimes it even extends broader, like the fate of my community in the whole world lies on me as an ERG leader. The first thing you have to tell yourself is it doesn't, right? I, I have been in several rooms is above my pay grades right? Again, finding the why, right? Why I got into the work. So maybe I'll share a little bit about that. And then it could help people figure out like how I decided. I wanted to change how people experienced my organization. That's what I wanted to change. Yes. Could I, at the time, think about increasing our hiring numbers for Black folks? Could I focus on going all through these conferences, did I focus on making sure we had, you know, representation at the pride parade, right? Yeah, I could, I could think about all those things. And if I really wanted to, I could probably do all of them, but that wasn't my why. So I reminded myself, what was I looking to achieve? Is what I'm doing, is what I'm putting my time and my dedication into achieving that? I think that that was big for me. I think the other part of it is that knowledge piece. Ask the question. So if you're at a company, what are they focused on, right? And if you're not aligned with that, it's going to constantly feel like you're carrying the world on your back. You're constantly feeling like you're responsible for changing it because you're not aligned 
with where the company is. And if that doesn't align with you and your purpose, you got to have a different conversation, right? Or I, I tell people that get into the space, you have to get comfortable if you're working at an organization with what you can change mm. and ask yourself if you're okay with that. And I think that that is really hard the deeper you get into the ERG space and then transitioning into so many other roles, right? Like program managers, DIB business partners. You, you, gotta, you gotta be real with yourself around like what, what can be done, right? And that's why I think you see a lot of people like going back and forth with working for a company going into consulting because it's easy to go into a company and say you got to do this and if you don't I'm out you can't do that with your senior leaders when you show up and they're signing your check all right mm -hmm. so I think it's that reality of the, what is, what is your why what is driving you what do you want to change is that possible in the role that you're in what does that look like for you and have you gotten the right people in your squad to accomplish that and just keep that being your driving force and all these other things. There's, there's always going to be something going on in the world. Who is the person that should be owning that? And if you have a larger role, always remind yourself what the North Star is. If you've created that strategy, you have the flexibility to shift as needed. But if you've never established that, right, short term, why within the ERG space, maybe a fiscal year or maybe a quarter. When you're a program manager or you're a director of DEI, you're thinking two, three, four fiscal years out. Mm. You still got to get there. So what do you need to do now? Where do you need to pivot and shift? But again, that operational mindset, if you have a strong foundation, you don't have to go backwards. So that would be like, I think that there's, you have to have some real conversations about why you're in this work and what you're looking to accomplish and know that. I, if nobody told you, I'm telling you, it's not your responsibility to fix it all. It's impossible. And you will go up one wall and down the other, figure out what microcosm of the world you can change and focus on that. I hope you all are taking notes as you watch this. You probably have to go back and rewatch that session, that whole section, because those were gems back to back. You really gave a formula with understanding your own personal why and understanding where the company is at. Cause a lot of people just feel like, cause they're in these roles that the company automatically is saying, oh, I'm going with whatever you feel like is best. Not the reality, not the reality. I'm curious. So fast forward, you lead ERG, an ERG program among other things. I think, are you, are you like DNI professional or like an ERG? Yeah, so I am, you know, I always like to say whenever someone's like, what do you do now? I'm like, I don't know. Ask me each day of the week, right? So the way that our team is currently structured, right? Like we're transitioning to more of a center of excellence model, which is not uncommon in most people spaces or even outside of people. My main function is really driving business change and results using data, right? So working with senior leaders, having those tough conversations, but I work really closely and support our ERGs and our folks that lead our ERGs. Why? Because if I'm talking about X and they're talking about A, mm -hmm. they will never get supported. So I like to say that if you are in the DEI space, whether you are an ERG program manager or you know, you're know you an ERG leader, there's so many different titles, you always are supporting ERGs um, because if nothing else, you're helping provide the through line for them. So title, not associated directly with ERGs, but if I did not have the ERGs to support a lot of the work, it wouldn't get done if I was honest. I believe you completely. And when I tell you all, Monique has gems for days when it comes to ERG work. I think one of the big pain points right now, there's two of them that I want to touch on, but one of the big ones is definitely when it comes to global ERGs and how to approach that when there's different, I mean, ERGs are to, to help support underrepresented groups and that looks different in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So what's your take on how an ERG should approach that? Yeah, so in my leading an ERG days, I like to say I had the privilege of leading a global ERG with the caveat that it was for all people of color. Now, I know a lot of y'all watching this have a Black ERG, a Latinx, AAPI, or like all the gambit. Nope, folks, one-stop shop. And I will say that one of the things, if you are leading a global 
ERG or an ERG that has multiple folks from different diasporas, you have to take yourself out of the equation. You do not matter. Not that you don't matter as a person, but your experience cannot be the paintbrush for the movement. Mm -hmm. I will add that even if you are leading an ERG and you are a person that identifies, your experience still should not paint the movement, but we're not going to talk about that right now. We talk about global ERGs. I think that one of the things that I had to do as a global ERG leader is step back and understand the communities I was supporting and understand that each of those communities as a group have a different experience across one another. And within those communities, there's a different conversation. When you layer on the intersection, the intersectional lens through international experience and global, people don't talk like we talk in the United States, right? If I live in Mexico, I'm not calling myself Latinx. Why would I, why would I do that? All right. So when I'll use that, I think that that was a learning. So I am black and Puerto Rican, right? I identify those black, right? I'm not Afro-Latina, but I'm black and Puerto Rican. So when we got to Hispanic Heritage Month, we renamed it Hispanic and Latinx Heritage Month. That was step one in the sense that if you know the history of the word of Hispanic, there's a lot of things. I talked to Maceo earlier today, right? We, we put a lot of stake in titles that were given to us by colonialism rather than doing the work. But we made that change because we knew it was important for folks to be seen. We had representation in Venezuela, Mexico, the UK, Spain. I am a planner, operations mindset. So all of our months were planned 45 days, no later than 30 days in advance. So when I say planned, I mean events, speakers, budget, the whole nine yards. When we had our first kickoff meeting, another nugget, when you are leading something that's global, if everyone in the room is from the same place, you are not leading a global ERG. That does not mean that your leads, right? We had leads. We had one international lead from the UK. But whenever we planned a month, we ensured we had a planning committee. The planning committee was representative of all different intersections. So man, woman, non-binary or LGBTQIA plus community, immigrant from our international country. We had all those voices in the room. So that when we're planning, we have a diversity of mindset. Just because you lead an ERG, again, to what we talked about before, it's not your responsibility to make all the decisions and drive all the change. You as an individual won't be able to do that. So we had those diversities at the table. One of the events that we had was around colorism and classism. People might say, why? Well, one, those things resonate around the world. Racism does not resonate how colorism resonates. Classism resonates everywhere. In the United States, we talk about socioeconomic status. That's class. We put a little fancy name on it. It's the same thing. And in the panel, we had someone internationally. We had what actually one of our international leaders. One of the most interesting things that came up in the conversation that I take with me now, even you know, with organization, my current company, and as we think about global expansion in Mexico, they usually bring people from Spain, so they're actually not Mexican. Now, when you think about classism, most of the folks and colorism that are able to go to school in the city are fair-skinned. Most companies that expand globally have a certain English proficiency, but that's usually tied to class. So in the conversation, we were able to have, actually had someone from Brazil, someone from Mexico, and then someone from the United States. And then we were able to bridge the gap. I think that when you're leading global ERG, again, taking yourself out of the equation, you need to understand how these communities interact with one another or how these things align. And the only way you're gonna do that is by working with the people in these communities. It's not gonna be something, I could do all the research in the world, but those nuances I would never learn by TikTok, YouTube, Google, encyclopedias, right? We can go old school, Dewey Decimal System. It ain't, it's not there, it's not there. So I think that when you're leading a global ERG, you have to, again, what you know your why so hey let's just say your why is hey i just want to make communities feel seen well if that is your why 
and you have a global community that you need to make sure seen is is seen and elevated have you engaged them to know what that means to them being seen and valued means very different things to different communities within the US but when you go globally it looks different it could be something around religion it could be something around inclusion in the bathrooms in other countries right like those are little nuances that i think sometimes in the united states we're far from where we need to be, but we take for granted some of the privileges that we have in the U.S. compared to our global employees. So if we don't invite them into the conversation, we could be unintentionally exclusionary mm. versus being inclusive. So I think you've got to get those, those people in the room. You have to always th think through the lens of intersection, remove yourself from the equation. and people are always happy when, when you come to them and you ask them. So I think that if anyone's worried that by reaching out or they're not sure how, this is why I said, if you work in DEI, whether you lead ERGs or not, you're part of it. That's where those people come into play. That's mm -hmm. where also, if you're on a team, ERGs is not your job. So you work on a team. They probably know people in other parts of the company globally. Are you tapping into those resources because people, especially when you're not in like, let's say the customer service side of an organization or maybe the community facing side of the organization, I will tell you the most engaging people that I've ever had on panels in my ERG experience were people that were from like the legal team, the finance team, and you'd be surprised, but you know why? Because nobody ever asked them. So mm -hmm. I encourage you all that if you are leading a global ERG, check yourself. When you're planning, do you have a global perspective or are you trying to solve and you don't have that perspective at the table? How are you engaging people? Again, you don't have to blow the ocean. You can have the vision, you can build the strategy, but there are people there that will help you build it out. That was incredible. I really hope you all took some notes there because I do hear that a lot with people, they feel stuck when they're in like a, a people of color ERG or even an ERG that they feel like is over-inclusive. I, I, you know, tell me more about this over-inclusive. Right. I'm not going to, you know, try to define it per se, but I think, right. the idea is, well, I really want to talk about the issues that my specific community, let's even, we can even say like in the instance of like African-American in a black ERG even, and that's, beyond just like, even if you were to extend it to people of color, uh -huh. that, you know, it's like, well, as an African-American, I know our community has its issues. And this is where planning is important. If you're always planning for yesterday, no, you're always going to feel like you're, the voices aren't being heard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, another thing, when we let our, the, the global ERG, we knew we had a budget. We knew we had Black History Month, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, Oh my goodness, I'm gonna now I'm gonna I'm like trying to go through the 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 calendar year, Hispanic Heritage and Latinx Heritage Month. We did Native American Heritage Month, right? People are like, where am I gonna find they're in your company? Okay. Did I get all of them? I feel like I'm missing one and I apologize to whatever month I'm forgetting. I'm trying to like go January, February, March, April, May, June. Um, that was it, right? Okay, okay. So we had a budget. I can't remember the exact budget, but for easy math, I'm gonna do fifty thousand dollars. We said every heritage month will have a will have ten thousand dollars. The other ten thousand dollars we will split among other events. Mm. We could talk about equity versus equality. No, everybody's getting the same exact amount of money. We created some structure around that. This amount of money will be earmarked to donation. This part will be earmarked towards this, and then the rest you can spend on events. But mm. everyone knew that. From the beginning, we planned again, we're planning. So if you, if you think about it, if something's planned 30 days out, how far in advance do you think we planned before that? Right. I think the other thing is we always want to connect to the headlines, right? So something's going on. This is right. We had a weekly engagement for our ERG every week, 52 weeks, no weeks off. Every week we had a topic, right? And the way that we did that was we, in, we got the entire community, we got all of our regions, all of our global people involved, and they had different topics. And when you're planning, you know that you might have a flex week, right? 
But if I know that the Black experience, let's say I'm like, you know what, I want to make sure that we're talking about African-Americans, but then I want to talk about socioeconomic status, and I want to talk about first generation, okay, we have Black History Month. What is our theme for Black History Month? Our theme is celebrating Black voices. Okay, what of these topics do do that? Oh, these topics, okay. You still have the rest of the year. I think that there's this obsession with fitting, right? It's like a double-edged sword. We'll complain that we don't get celebrated all year long, but the only time we do the work is when it's our month. You can't have it both ways. So I think that that over-inclusion is more so just because of the lack of planning or really thinking about how much of a runway you have to be able to create and, and to build for all those communities. And you're not gonna hit every community. That's okay. How are you using Slack? Are you engaging with Slack? Are you, right? Do you have maybe a weekly like AMA, right? Like, are you leveraging all the tools and resources that may be at your fingertips to tap into these different conversations? Or again, have you gotten your own story so far in your mission that you can't do the work? Mm. That's hard for a lot of people to hear. It's but- hard. Listen, I'm guilty. It's hard. It's hard. But you will benefit personally, professionally by being able to keep that balance. And when it's your time, it's your time. Lead a talk about something you're passionate about. And the rest of the time, invest in other communities and groups and you'll learn, you'll be able to advance the conversation even you can have about certain topics. Because sometimes you think you're the only group or the only people that are experiencing it. But if you are able to put the thread through the intersections, you could probably have a much more fruitful conversation than you realized before. Now, I have a second topic for sure, but yep. I can't skip over the fact that you said that you all had things planned 45 days in advance. I like, that's amazing. So many ERGs that I know they struggle with two weeks in advance sometimes. So let's just say that there's an ERG right now. They want to get better at planning. They want to get to the point where they're even planning that far in advance. Mm-hmm. Where should they start? What's like the first step? Guess what? It's the middle of May. Don't try to do it for Pride Month. Don't try to do it tomorrow. Look at, let's see, we have June, we have July, August. So we have like Parents Appreciation Month, right? We're getting into Veterans Month. Plan, if your quarters are January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, start planning for Q4. Now, come up with your vision, Q4 and Q1. Come up like, okay, hey, if I'm, if I'm in the black ERG, let's just say to make it easy. Hey, maybe we should ask veterans now if they have an idea about doing an inter- intersectional event. And maybe we can talk about the black experience in the military or what is a true patriot. Have the conversation now, right? Because now not only are you planning in advance, you're also having your partners in crime, your other ERG leaders starting to plan in advance. And if they haven't started having the conversation, you get on the calendar. Know what's a priority of the company going into Q4. Maybe there is a focus on um, if you're a vendor type of organization, like you always do some type of like give back to the employees. Set up a meeting with the people that run that and ask them, what are their thoughts? How are they thinking about it through a diverse lens? But I think don't try to solve for tomorrow, today, and be upset that you don't have it far in advance. Mm. when it like I would say Q4 if you could do Q3 if you have the right people in place you have the right support then great if not start with Q4 start thinking about how even you want it to look right part of the reason we were able to do it so far in advance is we had a very like intense meeting of like what do we want to do how do we want to show up if we want to show up like this we cannot do two weeks in advance we can't it's impossible it won't be the quality that we want it to be So then we came up with, okay, we'll always have subcommittees for groups. Because now again, not one person is planning every Heritage Month, planning every event. If you have themes, if you have company values, I think that that's the part too. You can tie it to things that the company's used to and it makes it easier for you to plan. If you have values, maybe it's like, hey, we want to do one event every month and the tie-in or the takeaway is to one of our values or living one of our values. Now you have a skeleton. Okay, I know what the values are. How do I connect this to the community? 
who are people we can tap into, and now you're planning, right? But you've got to give yourself enough runway to set yourself up for success. I'll also say that I recently, and folks probably have seen this, but Carolyn Wenga, she did an interview recently, right? CEO of Essence Communications, and she talked about failing. And she said she gives herself five fails a day before it's a bad day. I took it away. I share it with everybody, especially in the ERG space, because you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. Somebody's not going to show up. Somebody's Zoom background. The internet going to be out. The budget don't come through. How are you showing up? Right? Like, so give yourself the grace and the space to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, that that's what I would say. If today you're sitting here and you're in a Black ERG, how far away is Black History Month? That could be your kickoff of getting things right. When's Juneteenth? You got a little bit of time, maybe not 30 days in advance, but maybe you'll have it ready to go and you can have some good comms by June to let people know it's coming June 19th, right? If you're in, you know, it's the middle of Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, maybe you're like, oh, we're so late. Maybe you could do an intersectional event in the beginning of June with your pride group. And it's a transition. There's plenty of calendars. There's so many resources on the ERG movement, right? There's calendars, there's events, people are doing things. So don't limit yourself to your to your brain, I would say. Like take in the people around you, ask the questions, give yourselves a target goal of when you want to be in that type of function and format, and then strive for that and be satisfied with that, I think is the biggest recommendation I would say. Anybody can get there. 45, that was just I had a my regular job. I was running multiple buildings and I was like, I do not have time to be jumping on Zoom calls with y'all the day before, but come up with your process, come up with your prep. Like it, the work will seem much more enjoyable, but it also is less stressful. Prep calls, nobody says nothing crazy, right? Like it, it's all that kind of stuff. But what were you saying? I, well, one, I am obsessed with the idea of tying events back to values. Like, I'm going to take it. I'm going to credit you, but I will take the idea because that is like incredible. It already got so many like brainstorming ideas in my brain already. So I love that. Love. I mean, and leadership loves it. So listen, right. Get in the connect. Leadership loves to see it all tied together. I like to put things in a nice box with a nice little bow on top. That's seeing. that's perfect. This is why <laughs> we had to have you on here. So many, and then even then it's not like with the idea of you might not be able to do it right now, but you can plan in advance. It's really, you might have to slow down in order to speed up in the future. Yep. Love it. Okay. The other major topic, and I mm-hmm. get people asking me about this every day. Okay. And me personally, I have never had to deal. I'm not going to say I had to deal with that. So that sounds a little harsh, but I've never been in a situation of, a religious ERG and how to approach that. So I would love your take. Yeah, it's top of mind. I've been having this conversation actually a lot. I think one of the things that I think organizations have to ask themselves before starting one is what are they trying to achieve? Are they looking to provide a space for the community so if the company's tenants are around creating communities when you start a group that has so many different intersections if you're doing interfaith let's just say what does that mean what groups are you going to allow to be a part of this group right because now if you're saying that's like i'll switch it to something completely different You would never start a women's ERG and say, this is what we define as people that could be part of this group. Mm. Or you wouldn't do a group for visible or invisible disabilities and say, well, these are the only types of disabilities that are welcome here. Mm -hmm. Mm. So if you approach all of your other groups that way, you're going to have to approach that group the same. I think the other thing to keep in mind is if you don't have a clear structure or set of expectations for your ERGs, I would encourage having that established beforehand. Whether that means the expectation is events, the expectation is community gatherings, the expectation, right? Like whatever that is, 
because when you begin to dive into people's belief systems, there is a different level of emotions that are connected to that. And in this space, empathy is extremely important. And if you are not prepared to approach it with the care that it needs, you may need to make sure that you have some of those things established. So in some companies, what I've seen is prior to a group becoming an ERG, right? They can have an interest group or like a community group. Begin to explore interest, explore commitment. I was having a conversation earlier about, you know, especially in the ERG space, different companies, you see different things. You see different groups showing up. You see other groups not showing up. But sometimes this goes back to what we talked about a little bit before. We want our voices to be heard, but we don't want to be the person for the voices. The difference between the ERG space and seeking allies is you do carry the emotional labor. If you are an ERG leader. So tying that back to the interfaith, making sure that you have the structure and the system and the support in place for this group to be successful. Mm -hmm. I know that some companies have different ones, right? But again, that goes into, right? Like, do you have a set of expectations on the size of the group, the structure of the group? I think that, I don't want to say it's easier, but I think that people are more comfortable talking about gender number one, then race, ethnicity, then religion. So if you know that y'all are struggling to get past gender and race, ethnicity is getting real touchy-feely, tricky, maybe you need to just evaluate moving forward. But I say that with, if you are part of a, maybe a group in an organization and you would like the ability to either be recognized as, a, as an ERG or even in the sense of more visibility. This is where leaning into your DEI team, I think is very undervalued. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people assume that DEI teams, I don't know, people have different, different belief systems about what we do. If we really hear for the people, all the things. But I think that that's a great place of asking the question. Part of our role is to provide the opportunity and the avenues for our employees to be seen and valued. So have that conversation. If you're at a crux or you're at, a, at an inflection point, be transparent. Maybe it's not right now, but it's not never. Being clear on what you want to make sure is there from an infrastructure perspective or a support perspective. And what does it look like between now and then? So what are some what are some ways, I don't want to say around, but what are some ways that you can accomplish some of the things maybe if you don't have a group, I would think about. So when I led the the ERG for people of color, we always made sure Ramadan, Diwali. They were always part of things that we, we didn't do necessarily always events. One year we did an event to really understand the history of Ramadan, but we provided resources to leaders on how to support employees during this time. Mm-hmm. For Diwali, we asked employees to share pictures, talk about why this is important. What's the history of the festival like? I think that with different in other faiths, find out how, right, thinking through intersectionality There's different groups within groups. And I think that it's difficult sometimes, which when I was in it, I was like, an ERG for all people of color. Oh my goodness. But looking back on it, I saw the value at the time and within the organization. And I think that we were able to do a lot more because of the solidarity, excuse me, approach, than we would have been able to do if we were separate. So I think, I, I think your organization has to be at the right place for it. I think that you, you just have to be honest with yourself. But I think that in the meantime, what is, how are you supporting those folks? And I think that that's the question. It, 
we have become accustomed that ERGs are the only way that employees can be supported, which takes some of the responsibility off of managers, leaders, and just people within the organization versus talking about how you create an overall inclusive culture that whether there is a particular group or not, we are valuing and taking in those experiences and making sure that they know that they were at least considered during decision-making process, not scheduling all hands during Passover, Mm. right? Not everybody celebrates Christmas. Don't send me a Merry Christmas email, right? So it's those little things that I think sometimes for folks feel performative or too little that actually show incremental change in the direction in which you're going. Again, if you don't have a strong foundation, it does not it does not matter if you have 25 ERGs at your company if it's not an inclusive organization. ERGs do not equate to inclusion and engagement and, and equity. They are a support of those structures within your organization that help drive change, that help elevate the experience of those particular communities. So original question, I think it is something that you need to be extremely thoughtful about because you're dealing with a different set of emotions and experiences. So being able to very easily lead a conversation about Black Wall Street or in talking about Black massacres that happened all over the world may be an easier conversation to bridge in today's climate than talking about civil unrest and religious injustice in the Middle East if you're a global organization. It could be argued that we're talking about unfair treatment of groups of people based on who they are, what they believe. But again, if you're not able to help navigate that conversation in a way that is going to be thoughtful and supportive, you could do a lot more harm than help. So if you have that driver that is coming up within your organization, I would encourage you to have a conversation with those groups and ask what they're looking for. And then know that once you open that door, if it's interfaith, that means Jews, Muslims, Christians, pagans, Pentecostals, everybody is welcome. And everybody is going to want to have an opportunity to talk about their experience. So if you don't already have the intersectionally mindset, now you're going to be trying to solve for how, or like how many religions are mm-hmm. there, right? If you do have one group that's more vocal than another, what does it look like on your roadmap planning, right? The planning is not just for ERG leaders, it's for all the folks in DEI. What does it look like on your roadmap to continue to build these communities and these support systems? So I think I, you know, I got into this work to support people, to help people develop, make them feel included and seen within the organization. So if that is an ask that is coming, I just encourage folks to be very thoughtful about it and just make sure it aligns with where your company is at and what your company can support. Because if not, it could be really hurtful and do a lot more damage than what, right? Intention versus impact. If you on this podcast, you probably heard this before, but if you have not, your attention don't matter plain and simple. The impact is what matters. So just be really, really thoughtful, I think, and have an honest conversation of how you're going to support that group. Just like any other, I could think of any subgroups that come up sometimes within ERGs, but they're always housed within an ERG. I think that when you're thinking about faith, it's just, it's a different topic and you just have to be really thoughtful about it because no different than when laws were passed around around abortion, different people had different viewpoints. But it was in the context of maybe you not tying it to a religious belief. Mm. Once you add that into the conversation, it can become a different conversation. So you just have to think about how you're going to handle all of the different topics and things because I experience things through the lens of a woman. 
I experience things through the lens of a black woman. I experience things through the lens of my religious beliefs, my faith system. So once, right, like you want to make sure that those things are seen, but you have to understand that people are are going to show up differently and react differently. So in our roles, we just have to make sure that I think, especially for that group, you have to be really thoughtful and ready because the worst thing you could do, like I said, is to start it or, or do something and it just, it causes more exclusion and inclusion and you can't go back. And it takes a long time to clean your reputation when it comes to certain things. Because one thing y'all know, people talk within whatever group you're in, they talk about their experience. So if you can prevent it, do it thoughtful, be honest, share the roadmap, and you're ready for it, why not? That is so huge because once we get in these positions, it can be so easy for us to like unknowingly be biased towards what we believe is right and wrong when really it's our job to go in, like you said, leaning in with empathy, trying to make the best experience for people, regardless of where they're from, what they believe in, how they identify all of the things. It's our job to be unbiased. Very interesting. Yeah, I I mean, listen, it's, you're right though. I think, what is the quote? If you're human, you're biased, right? If you have a brain, you're biased. So I think that that's why like checking yourself every now and then, I will give, I always give this, I just talked to someone yesterday. If you don't have somebody in the space, whether you're an ERG leader, you're leading DEI, that you can just go to and say, am I off? Am I thinking about this wrong or being honest? This is a sensitive topic for me. I know I'm not going to show up how I need to show up in this room, right? Like those are those small things that can make a difference in how you show up and how much of an impact you make. If you're, if you don't do those things, you could unintentionally have a really bad impact on the people that you are trying to support, whether you're an ERG leader or you're in the DIC. So I think having that, an accountability partner kind of thing, but it's more, I call it my like, am I, am I off person? Because there's moments where I'm like, I know my beliefs are coming in and I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, but right. Our work is to just make people feel included. It's not to, it's, it's not to change what you believe, what you think, what you feel. It is just to make sure that everyone is having an inclusive and equitable experience where you are. And if that, if you keep reminding yourself of that, I think it'll be a lot easier even to start the interfaith or specific faith ERG because it's not about you. That's huge. Okay. I know we're coming up by time. Yes. <laughs> it is very obvious to me. I say this every episode that we need a part two, but like we didn't even get to cover half the things we're supposed to cover. So for this one, I have one question, but it is kind of a two-parter. With okay. the ERG movement being about ERGs 2.0, one question is what is an ERG practice that you feel like is outdated? And also what do you feel like the future of ERGs is? So what is ERGs 2.0 in your opinion? One of the things that's in my opinion that's outdated is only doing events during your heritage month. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. I know y'all probably like, is she out here trying to give us more work? But it's outdated, right? We can't be saying Black 365, but only show up during Black History Month, right? And that's for every group. I think that that's outdated. Like, if you, like, roadmap plan, right? Like, do that and and figure out what you want to elevate. You don't have to do a program every week, but maybe once a month. But that only showing up there, it does a disservice to the to the work in my opinion I don't know but just just show up I think that that's outdated I think it's just it's it's easy um and there's a lot of fear in asking for more yeah and then the future of ERGs I'm thinking hard about this one I know you posted the I think it was like two weeks ago around like your thoughts and I I'm I'm worried and I don't know because I think that it doesn't mean the same thing to everyone. It has moved very, very far from how it started. 
And that makes sense. With time comes change. But I think that that's why, and this is not like a plug, but it is a plug. When you first talked about the ERG movement, the thing that really was important to me was providing a community for consistency, if nothing else. Right. I, I think my fear is that if there is not some type of alignment, it they will go away. We've seen that at places, right? And that's why, you know, it's hard for me to even answer this question because like I said, right, ERG should not be your only inclusion efforts, your only DEI program. That that to me displays your investment. But yeah, I'm worried. I think that if there is not even just alignment on the company level of what ERGs are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. There will be this very mixed narrative that's happening right now around just DEI, people calling it dead. I'm like, no, I, every two weeks, something's deposited and what I'm doing is DEI work. But I think that we could, the perception around it. And as we know, if the perception is not positive to the bottom line, it's taken away. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's my fear, right? That it just 10 years from now, there'll be continued growth in external communities for engagement for different communities. I think we'll see more of those because people will no longer be looking internally. And you'll just kind of have like, you'll go, it's like almost like full circle. You'll get a bunch of grassroots efforts private Slack channels, then somebody from IT sees something, tells somebody, and then, you know, it starts all over again. But yeah, that's my worry that we just, there, it's been like, like we've kind of gotten off the North Star and that we don't do it together and be consistent that folks will continue to question the value. And we're only going to see performative things from organizations and that be the the carrying crux yearly diversity reports right with just data but like we're gonna get to just like the basics like we're tracking we do an event we do a potluck right like that that's that's my that's what I think I don't want it to you know ERGs they were my lifeline if I did not have them I don't know if I would have been able to do the things that I did and and I definitely know I wouldn't have the job I have now that's mm-hmm. a fact so they're very near and dear to my heart I care a lot about them so I don't want that to be the thing but got to be some changes so yeah I could not agree more and when I tell you I'm so like literally part two we have to hear more about your story and then <laughs> with your role being in data I mean come on there's so much be said there so yeah (laughs) part two is definitely coming i want to thank everyone for watching this episode and monique tell everyone how they can get in contact with you so y'all i'm not on the socials you can only find me on linkedin that's the only place you can find me monique l jackson that's me but i'm there i love engaging with folks in the space and love supporting however i can near and dear to my heart as i said All right. Well, Monique's LinkedIn will be in the description below. Definitely look forward to the part two. And for everyone, I will see you in the next episode.